Thank you for listening to the Hope City Community Church Podcast. We pray that your life will be forever changed by what you hear today. Our goal is to encourage, inspire, and challenge you to experience the real Jesus. Thanks for listening. Now let's tune in. Well, good morning, church. Man, it's good to be back. Uh, I took a, a Sunday off and took my son to do a little father-son time. I'm going to tell you, we got to invest in our children, don't we? It's important to do that, and uh, thank you for giving me the allowance to do that. And uh, I just want to say welcome to Hope City. Uh, I'm Pastor Josh. I'm the senior pastor here. And, uh, and if it's your first week with us, I just want to say thanks for being here. We're excited you're here. As a matter of fact, we've actually prayed that you would come. You say, well, how did you pray for me? We pray that God would send everybody to a place that will love them well and show them the goodness of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so today, speaking of Jesus Christ, we're going to teach you uh, out of the book of Hebrews, which if that book has one uh, great theme, it's that Jesus over everything. Jesus over everything. I've entitled my sermon today, It's All About Jesus. And we're coming out of the book of Hebrews. Uh, before I get started, uh, just want to reiterate what Pastor TC said. Uh, if you want to lead a small group, don't leave here today uh, without talking to him. This is the last week to sign up to lead a small group. Uh, I think it's sometime during this week, but don't leave here today. We need you to lead a small group. Um, small groups are very simple. It's some kind of activity. It's a study. It's something that you have interest in that you don't mind inviting someone to join. So it could be kayaking. It could be softball. It could be whatever. It could be you just, the Lord's leading you to study a book in the Bible and you want to invite some people to join. Whatever it is that you're doing, invite somebody to come along. And that's a small group. So uh, let us invade your life with other believers and send people to join you in your endeavors. And I promise you this, uh, you will receive a blessing for it. Uh, life uh, with others is just a better life. We're not called to do life alone. You know that? But, uh, but to do life together with other believers is a powerful thing. Let's talk about Hebrews just for a minute. Hebrews is um, not really one of the Pauline letters because we don't have anything pegged down as to who the author is. There's a lot of people who think it was Paul. Uh, matter of fact, there's, there's several people. It could have been Paul, could have been Barnabas, Aquila, Silas, Clement of Rome. Some people believe Luke, others believe Apollos. Whoever wrote it, though, uh, lays the, the proverbial smackdown on the Hebrew church of the time. They're Christians, but they're beginning to slide back into the traditions of their fathers and grandfathers' theology and lean more on those theologies than they are putting emphasis on Christ the Messiah. And so uh, whoever wrote this uh, did not waste time like they did in other letters because we don't see the traditional uh, I, hello from wherever and I beseech you on behalf of so-and-so and so-and-so. Uh, there's not the same writing. There's not the same hellos and not the typical goodbyes. It's a very unique writing. Another thing we see that's very unique, if you're a, a bit of a Bible theologian, is that every quotation of the Old Testament in Hebrews is taken from uh, the Greek Septuagint and not the traditional Aramaic. All of, others, all of Paul's other writings come out of the Hebrew and Aramaic. But in the book of Hebrews, the Greek Septuagint is used to quote the Old Testament. And so we see some very unique things uh, in the book of Hebrews, but I love that it's to a specific people 
So there's specific writing. How many know when you're trying to reach people, you got to get to their level, right? And we see this in the book of Hebrews. It's very, very cool that, uh, that the writer took the time to put it in words that the Hebrews would understand. And so um, Hebrews is basically a, a book that lays down the goodness of Jesus Christ over all of the traditions of Judaism. And so you can go through there. Uh, he, he compares that Jesus is better than the angels, that Jesus is better uh, than uh, the kings and priests of days gone by, uh, that Jesus is better than the traditions of our fathers, and so, so on and so forth. And the writer is laying down that on top of all other traditions and everything else we hold sacred, Jesus above everything else. You and I are in a time in the church to where Jesus is held high, but we have to be very careful because there are certain groups, there are certain ideologies, there are certain denominations that will hold traditions even higher than the simplicity of Jesus. And I always want us to be careful at Hope City that we never put anything over Jesus. He is a simple thing to teach. He was the son of the living God, divine in his nature. He died on a cross, was resurrected three days later, and now because of that, you and I no longer have to be bound by sin because he was a perfect sacrifice so that you and I could be sinless. I thought I'd at least get one amen from that, but that's okay. I'm proud today that I can stand before you and teach a simple gospel that I don't have to come up here and flex with this crazy theology and take you. And there's, there's always a place for that. Don't get me wrong. I love teaching deep theology. But I also love that my six-year-old Nora loves Jesus because it's simple to teach. Amen. And so today we're just going to take a quick look. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, we're going to start there. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. There was this drifting that was taking place in the church. They were beginning to fall back on traditions. Can I tell you, bad habits are hard to break. When you have traditions, when you have things that you've been taught, bad theology is tricky because you have based your existence on something that doesn't line up with the word and realigning yourself to the scripture is always difficult because it challenges what you thought you knew. And as humans, what we think we know is gospel a lot of times, isn't it? And so we're, we always look at ourselves and our own understanding and we think that's gospel. But the truth is, is if it doesn't line up with the gospel, it's not a gospel at all. And so we always have to go back to the scripture. And I love that the, the writer was telling them, go back to the understanding that it's just about Christ. You see, the Jews didn't never, they never accepted Christ as the Messiah. And so the writer keeps going back, remember the Messiah. Remember that Jesus was the sacrifice. Remember that Jesus was the son of the living God. And he basically recreates the entire theology of the New Testament in one amazing book. And so Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10 uh, goes a little further into that. It says, for it was fitting for him, for whom are all things and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. This is what he's writing to the church. 
He says, there is one head of your salvation. He calls it the captain. There's one head of salvation, and his name is Jesus. Don't get that bent. Don't get that out of place. Don't miscategorize that. Don't misprioritize that. There's one head of our belief as Christians, and his name is Jesus. Can I get an amen? As we go on through Hebrews, we, we start getting in this deeper understanding of who Jesus is. And really, we start unfolding a plot of the wicked one, of the devil, on how he has used confusion to dilute Jesus to the Jews. And so we're, we're going to dig into that. We're going to expose the plan. Don't you love exposing the plans of the enemy? I love that. I love sometimes we can just throw his own grenades in his own house. Don't you love that? Uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 through 16 says this. It says, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Now, right there, he's saying that he's not just a man, right? He says, Jesus, the son of God. Okay, he's not an angel either. He's different. He is God. He is a, 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 an actual living God. He says, let us hold fast our confession. What confession? That he is the Messiah. Let us hold fast our confession. It says, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. There's so much in these, these three verses, 14, 15, and 16. He's propping up the divinity of Christ. He's propping up his position in heaven. He's propping up his position as the one that you go to for the forgiveness of sins. He's also propping up that everything you've known from the past is different. We are not praying to a God who had to live without the knowledge of what it is to be human anymore because God sent his son in the flesh to navigate earth so that he would have sympathy for us in our temptation. Can I tell you that's one of the unique things about Christianity? Show me one other religion where the God came in weakness and humility to take on the sins of humanity. Every other deity stayed high and lofty and man had to try to climb that mountain. Can I tell you, Jesus did all the climbing. You don't have to climb to get to God. God came to us, amen. So this simplicity of Jesus was blowing the minds of the Jews because they had always seen God as this lofty thing. And when they thought of God, most of them thought, oh my gosh, can I afford an animal to sacrifice at temple this week? And what a mess that's going to be. So this understanding of who God was was shifting in these Jewish hearts and lives. And the writer was giving them this, this context that Jesus is not just God, he's also the sympathetic entity that knows the struggles of temptation and that when you come to him, you can come boldly. Not like we used to, you'd come to the temple and it was this humility thing and you could never go to the Holy of Holies, mind you. You can only get to the outer courts. But now you can come boldly to the throne of grace. Think about that to a group of people, the Jews, who had never been allowed to even see inside of most of their temples, but even fewer 
have got to be with the priest before he enters the Holy of Holies. And then only one man a year got to go into the presence of God. And now this teaching is blowing paradigms and understanding that you can come boldly by yourself to God. It was changing everything. It was challenging everything. It was this teaching that put Christ on the cross. Aren't you grateful for Jesus today? The simpleness of the true gospel. God came down in flesh form, put on his his dirt suit, we call it. He walked around for 33 years, three years in intense ministry. And all he did was walk around and just pour love onto humanity so that they might see God's true heart. You see, the God of the Old Testament, a lot of times his heart is hidden in his righteousness. But now God said, I've got to show them my true essence, my true nature toward them. And because of Christ, we now see and we know God's heart, not just Jesus, but God the Father's heart toward us. And it all came at the cross. Now, the confusion that was setting in uh, in the Jewish uh, Christian houses was because they kept mixing theologies with what they knew with what they were learning. Can I tell you, the tricks of the devil are very slick. They're very slick. There are uh, even churches today that are adding weird theology to the Bible. And can I tell you, if it's anything outside the Bible, leave it alone. I said, leave it alone. You, the, uh, some of the last words in the Bible are, woe to him that addeth to or taketh away. The Bible don't need your help. It is influenced by the Holy Ghost all by itself. And we see that we're living in a time that people are bending and manipulating the Bible to make you think things you ought not think. I'm going to leave that right where that is. I ain't got time to even go into that. But I'm going to give you three things today that the devil does to minimize Christ. Remember, he can minimize the church and nothing happens. He can completely destroy Hope City and nothing happens. But if he attacks Christ, it affects everything. Right? That's why when we find ourselves in Christ, you're always going to be under attack. How many of y'all, your life just got easier after you got saved? Nope. Nope. The first day I became a pastor, a pastor buddy of mine called. He goes, how big's your target? And I said, man, we're aiming for good things. He goes, no, the one on your back. I ain't really thought about that, but thanks for the encouragement. And the truth is, the minute you you begin to proclaim the gospel, the minute you begin to stand in the gap, you literally carry Christ to those who are lost. You step out into the open for the enemy to begin firing shots at you. And can I tell you, he doesn't have to take you down if he can just confuse you. We see a lot of that in our world today, don't we? So here's three things the devil will do. I'm going to preach fast today. Number one, he'll try to dilute the truth. He'll try to dilute the truth. The devil wants to fill your head with so many alternatives that Jesus seems like a option, not the way. 
Let me say that again. The devil wants to give alternatives to heaven so that you have a choice to make. Now it's multiple choice. Jesus said it clear. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father unless he comes by me. Unless he comes through me, that's John 14, 6. This week I was studying and I went back and uh, I was studying uh, Jesus alternatives. Google that, you'll see some crazy stuff. And the reason I wanted to study that is because I wanted to see how much confusion was out there. Can I tell you, every religion acknowledges Jesus. No, 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 this is true. This is true. I challenge you, go check it. The Muslims say he was a prophet. The Hindus, he was a teacher, right? How about, how about the, let's, 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 let's get weird. How about the Druze? You ever even heard of that religion? D-R-U-Z-E? Even they believe that he was a carrier of light. But can I tell you, Christianity acknowledges no other gods. We are the only religion that says there is one way to heaven. Every other religion gives these lists and these options and these, these different ways. And can I tell you, that's a trick of the enemy to make you think. He says, hey, if you're walking the straight and narrow and I make you think there's 10 straight and narrows, you got a 90% chance of missing it. And so many people say, no, we believe like you believe. We believe like you believe. No, Mormon, you do not. No, Jehovah's Witness, you do not. You have denied the deity of Jesus Christ and your beliefs. And I want, to, I, want to, I want to change that for you because I don't want you to miss the way. It is important to understand that there is one truth. There's not multiple truths. I found this video of Oprah Winfrey, Dad gum. That's an old video. But she gets on there. You know, she had a little bit of a cult situation going. Them women do anything. Oprah likes this book. They sell 50 million copies. Oprah likes that lotion. They sell it all. Oprah likes this. Great. I think Oprah's a wonderful person. I get nothing wrong with her personally. But when you start diluting my Jesus, now we got beef. She gets on there. And this is years back. You can see it on YouTube. She goes, I believe Jesus is definitely one of the best ways to God. What? And this lady stands up in the crowd, and, and this lady stands up and she says, I want to challenge what you just said. The lady in the audience says, the Bible says there is one way to the Father, and his name is Jesus Christ. And the audience begins to clap. Oprah, cut the commercial. Hang on now. That wasn't one of Oprah's favorite things. Can I tell you, I don't care how much earthly clout you have. You start diluting the gospel and you put yourself between God and his people, you will be falling soon. You preach bad theology, see if your church will last. 
I'm telling you, God will not be a part of confusion. As a matter of fact, doesn't the Bible say something about somebody being the author of confusion? Yeah, his name's the devil, Satan, Lucifer. He's the author of confusion. Anything that confuses has the devil's fingerprint on it. You know what? I'm convinced that's why God sent Jesus to be a simple answer for a dying people. Because there's no confusion in it. You either believe it or you don't. It's a simple answer. The second thing the devil will do is he'll blind you to eternity. He'll blind you to eternity. Let me explain this. You will begin to focus more on temporal things than you will on eternal things. Now, we're not weird people here. We don't do weird at Hope City. In that we understand you have to focus and you have to provide and you have to have goals and set goals to do things to bless other people. Can I tell you, God doesn't want you to thrive just so you thrive. He wants you to thrive so that you can be a conduit, a blessing to other people. So this whole thinking about God wants everybody to be broke, that's not true. He needs certain people to have certain things to bless other people and to get us where we need to go, right? I also don't believe God's up there dropping Bentleys on people. <laughs> what would a Bentley do in Crestview anyway? You got to have a four-wheel drive around here, you know? Either way, if you want to have a Bentley, great. I just don't think it should be part of our theology. Amen. Now, this blinding us to eternity is best spoken about in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. I'm going to read it to you. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, he's supposed to tell you everything is in the world right here. The lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. It's not of the Father, but it's of this world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Can I tell you, the minute we transition from earth to heaven, this life will have been as if it barely existed. Paul says it like this. It's like a vapor. It's like, wait, was that even, did I even see something that was something? Is it in the face of eternity, this life is nothing. And yet so many people are spending all of their time focused on this they cannot keep at the cost of what they cannot lose. Now, if you were to compare your life, let's say you really go the distance. Let's say you hit 120 years. I mean, you, you, you're on the Today Show. You could find the smallest speck of dust in this room. And it still would be too large in comparison to this room comparing life to eternity. Uh, I had a youth pastor one time tell me, he said, he said, you ever seen a pelican fly? I said, yeah. He goes, you know how slow they fly? I said, yeah, they're horribly slow flyers. You get the point. He goes, yeah. He goes, imagine a pelican getting one grain of sand, 
and flying to the moon and then coming back for another grain of sand and flying back to the moon and then another grain of sand and flying back to the moon. And he says, when all of the sand on earth is gone, you still have not scratched the beginning of eternity. And yet we are so focused on this 80 to 100 years we get here. Can I tell you, it's, it's just a trick of the devil. Seek first the kingdom of God. All the other things, living a righteous life, there's blessings that come with that. Yes, go to work. God's planted you there to be a blessing to the people there at your job. But can I tell you this? To be so focused on the temporary that you misprioritize eternity, you've been bamboozled. You've been hoodwinked by the wicked one. And it's time for the church, and I mean the church corporately, to reprioritize eternity over earth. Amen. To live for that which is eternal. The last thing he'll do, and I'm wrapping up, is he'll make it about works. The devil's real bad about doing this. The devil will make your salvation about your works. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, it says, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Now, I want to teach this in a way that you can get it because uh, there's people running around town saying, I preach a greasy grace. I wouldn't call it greasy. I'd call it gracious grace. I would call it glorious grace. I would call it a sufficient grace. I would call it a grace that's not based on my works, but on the works of Jesus Christ. At the end of the day, it's all about Jesus. The equation is this. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. He doesn't need your help. I was praying this week. I said, Lord, give me a picture. Because I learn best from pictures. Give me a visual. Give me something that I can put this in context somehow. And he led me to Luke chapter 23. And there we see Jesus on the cross and the soldiers mocking him. And the soldiers say this. They say, you call yourself the king of the Jews and the king of the angels. If that's the case, then call down the angels to save you. And then all of a sudden we hear that he's between two thieves. Equal sins. And the first thief says, if you are the son of God. Watch this. If you are the son of God, then save yourself. And by the way, save us too. Aren't we always looking out for ourselves? Sure we are. But then this voice from the other side, the scripture says it's from the left side, begins to speak to the other thief. He says, don't you fear God? Let me paraphrase. Don't you know who you're talking to? This man is innocent of his crime. You're talking to God. Watch your mouth. 
And then he looks over at Jesus and he says, Jesus, what we did was enough to put us here. You shouldn't be here. Would you do me a favor? Today, would you just accept me? Jesus says, I tell you truth. This day, you will be with me in paradise. I read that story, and boy, I can sure relate to a thief. Because I've stolen so much of my life for my own self. And uh, as I started going through that, I thought, wait a second. We have no proof of church membership for either one of those two. One's in the pit, one's in heaven. No church membership. Uh oh. And then it hit me. We have no documentation of baptism. What? One's in the pit, one's in paradise. We have no proof that either one was ever full of the Holy Ghost. Ooh, that is tough for charismatics, isn't it? No proof that either one of them ever operated with the gift of tongues. But yet we put so much emphasis on it. One's in the pit, one's in paradise. Wendy, I'm sorry. Neither one of them attended Discover Hope. <laughs> Neither one of them greeted at the church. Neither one of them was an usher. Neither one of them had the chance to proclaim the gospel. Neither one of them had the chance to live a life worthy of the cause. These are all things that people have lied to you as necessary for salvation. It's about one thing that separates you from a pit in paradise, and his name is Jesus. Father, may we never complicate the gospel. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us. One said, if. The other one said, you are. You know, just that faith alone to go from if to you are. That's all it takes. The belief in your heart and the confession of your mouth, that's it. The Bible says you are saved. Now you won't hear that at every church. But some people are scared. They're scared that if they teach that, they might... Somebody might say they teach a greasy grace. 
you know what? You can call it what you want to call it. I'll preach it. I'll preach it. I'll preach it. You see, I was raised thinking that I had to do something for my salvation and it drove me so far away from the cross. But then I began to study the word and I began to see things like his grace is sufficient for your need. And I began to read verses like this that tell us that it's a free gift. It's not of works because if it was works, you would dilute the cross. You get to share in none of that glory. You are a recipient of the greatest gift the world has ever known. And it was free. But it cost heaven everything for you. Simple question. I don't have much time. Are you an if person? Or are you a you are person? I said, are you an if person or are you a you are person? If you don't know that you know that you know, I want you to know this whole sermon was for you. Because it's so simple. See, people like me have diluted it, man. We've, we've messed it up. People that have a microphone somehow feel like they can add something to the word and that it just, can I tell you, may God close our lips forever before we complicate this gospel. If you're here and you say, Josh, I know I'm saved. I, I've been a you are and a he is for a long time. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. I'm saved, Josh. Pastor, I'm saved. I got my stuff locked in. Ticket is punched for glory. All right, put your hands down. If you couldn't raise your hand, I'm coming for you right now. If you had your hand up, begin to pray. Just begin to speak against fear. Because see, the enemy, his last trick is to make you so afraid of a weird moment that you don't step into the goodness of God. So here's the simplicity. Jesus is the son of the living God. He took on flesh. He came to earth. And the Bible says he was the stone that the builders rejected. They nailed him to a cross like a common thief. He died. But the story doesn't stop there. Three days later, the power of God through the Holy Spirit came to earth and resurrected Christ from the dead. Even to this day, he's alive. And the Bible says that he sits at the right hand of the Father and he prays for you. If you don't believe it, go see what the Bible says. The Bible says at the right hand of the Father forever interceding on our behalf. And here's what he's saying. Same thing he said when he was on the cross. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. They don't realize what they're doing. They have traded eternity for earth. Father, forgive them. They've diluted the name of Jesus. Father, forgive them. They don't understand that it's simple. Forgive them. So if you're here and you don't know that you know that you know, every head bowed, every eye closed, this is between you and God. If you're here and you don't have 100% assurance, maybe you've accepted Christ under some complexity. Maybe you've accepted Christ 
under some agreement that you would do something, say something, go somewhere, be something. The only thing he asks you to do is be his. He'll take care of the rest. If you're here and you don't have that assurance, I just want you to raise your hand so I can pray for you. I'm not going to call you down. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you. Praise God. Come on, anybody else? God bless you. I see you back there. Anybody else? I don't want to go past this moment. This is a sweet thing, boy, right here. This is why Hope City exists, to preach a simple gospel. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you with a never-ending love. Anybody else before I pray? All right. Everybody, saints, and people raise their hands. Everybody at the same time, repeat after me. Say, dear Father, thank you for the simplicity of the gospel. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for grace. It's not of my works. I will not boast. I receive the free gift of salvation today. It's not complex. It's simple. It's between you and me, God. And I say thank you. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, was raised to new life, and is in heaven today praying for me, believing for me, expecting this moment with faith. I thank you now, and I receive salvation. You're my father. I'm your child. For Jesus said, that's my will. I'll go to the cross for today's decision. I give you praise, Father, and I give you thanks. In Jesus' name, everybody said a big amen. Come on, give him some praise in this place. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right, stand up on your feet. I'm going to get you out of here. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, if you raised your hand, you prayed that prayer, and, and you want to talk about it, I want you to know my prayer team is going to be right here to my left, right in front of this TV. They kind of hang out right here in this area. We're not leaving. If you want to talk to us, we'll be right here. Come, let us pray for you. Come, let us give you some information. Whatever you need to sustain that walk. Can I tell you, he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. You can see his love in the simplicity of the gospel. I'm going to bless you and I'm going to turn you loose. But don't leave here if you need prayer. Even if you just need to touch in your body, if you just need to pray and believe uh, with another believer, our prayer team will be right here. Come on, Father, bless us and keep us. Be gracious to us and show us your favor. Make your face shine upon us and give us peace, both now and forevermore. Cover us with the blood of Jesus. From the top of our head to the soles of our feet, I thank you that no weapon formed against us will prosper. Keep it simple for us, Lord, and let us believe in a simple gospel. I thank you, Lord, that as this church continues to grow and continues to thrive and continues to move forward and take new territory, Lord, it's going to get about the simplicity more than anything else. It's simple. You love us and we receive it. Lord, bring us back next week with more of your word and more of your wisdom locked away in our hearts and we will give you glory for it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, 
Amen. We love you. God bless you. And we'll see you next week. Thanks again for joining us today for the Hope City Community Church Podcast. We pray that what you've heard today will bless you until the next time we meet again. We hope you'll join us again soon to be encouraged, inspired, and challenged to experience the real Jesus. Take good care and God bless.